For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. Online advertising has long been a source of frustration among consumers, and that may be putting it lightly. From pop-ups to autoplays to interstitials, digital ads are often seen as an annoyance rather than a consumer benefit. To change that perception, the ad tech platform Goodloop is helping brands take a more purposeful approach to online advertising. When consumers choose to engage in an ad, they unlock a free donation funded by the advertiser, and they can choose which charity partner they would like to support. It's about connecting brands and people in a more meaningful way and being a force for good. In accredited B Corp, Goodloop places ethical ads for brands across trusted publishers and social platforms, leading to higher completed view rates than traditional online ads, higher engagement, better recall rates, and increased purchase intent, among other benefits. Joining me to discuss Goodloop is co-founder and CEO Amy Williams, an industry rising star and innovator who was named by AdAge in 2020 as one of the women to watch. Amy, welcome to Beyond Profit. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. I was bebopping around your website and um, you have a real interesting backstory. Uh, it almost came <laughs> together on a whim and I was kind of hoping that you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. So I started my career at Ogilvy. I've always loved advertising and I learned so much working at Ogilvy. It's such an institution. Mm-hmm. And and also starting my career on the creative side of our industry, I, I learned so much about brand strategy and connecting with consumers and thinking about the experience that a consumer has with your brand. And, and then more specifically, Unilever was one of my key accounts. And Unilever, this was back in sort of 2014, 2015, you know, they'd, they'd really just started their purpose strategy. And they'd done that big study that showed their purposeful brands grew 50% faster than the rest mm-hmm. of their portfolio. And I was just, I was just like, wow, like, you know, Unilever sees the business benefit of doing good. A hell of a lot of good happens in the world. Right. So, um, so I felt like there was this this huge opportunity in brand purpose, and I could see that Unilever and other big businesses were going to invest more. And then on the flip side, you know, looking around the media side of our industry, which is normally ninety percent of a brand's budget, mm-hmm. it's not only not purposeful but often it can be kind of counterproductive to a brand's purpose like you mentioned in your intro you know when a brand pops up or or gets in the way of your cat video on youtube that's not a positive experience so so that was really the the starting point for good loop was taking all of the things i'd learned about brand purpose and applying them to the moment when a brand and consumer actually interact online and that was all you know well and good as a as a lofty ambition on a few powerpoint right. slides but uh i had no idea how to build it or how to start so um i quit my job at ogilvy i flew to chile because why not and i i did a course in entrepreneurship in chile which was just a, such a good like grounding in how to build a financial model how to pitch to an investor like all of that stuff I then flew back to the UK. I found my co-founder online in like a chat forum and uh, started a business with this complete stranger from the internet, basically. Mm-hmm. That was uh, just over five years ago. And there you go. <laughs> now, now you're <laughs> successful. I have to ask, uh, you mentioned Ogilvy, you know, one of the great agencies. At, the, at that time, um, were they 
pretty big into the purpose space or was that relatively new thing for them? Well, we were the agency that did Dove sketches and you there was a lot of thinking around how you could build a brand that talked about something more important and more interesting than soap mm. and fabric conditioner. So there was definitely an interest in it, but I think at that time it was more as a point of differentiation in market, perhaps a you know a point of premiumization rather than today where I see it much more as a, a must-have, a hygiene factor. If you're a brand that doesn't talk about social issues and engage consumers about the stuff they care about, then you don't you don't seem relevant. So your your business model at Good Loop is to deliver more meaningful advertising experiences. So when you first approached brands, was that music to their ears? um it's it's funny like you can't obviously you can't go into a brand and tell them everything they're doing is wrong and you have the you know the magic solution it's really much more about incremental change and it it, for me starting a business in this industry the two key things I learned were one make it as easy as possible change as little as possible so that you can make really really easy decision making for your for your clients So I really focused on things like integrating our products into the programmatic exchanges so that, you know, you can really switch to Goodloop with the switch of a button. Also making sure that we've got recognizable, trusted premium publisher partners, these sorts of things that that make it really easy. And the second point is really about finding champions within the business. You know, within all of our key clients, there's always one or two individuals who see the opportunity of doing something better and different and they're the ones that take the risk they're the ones that push it through the organization and and, and become internal champions so yeah it is music to their ears to say you know we can help drive cut through we can help put some meaning and some impact behind your purpose but also to say that it's super easy and and we can kind of deliver all the same media metrics but with this layer of purpose on top it just makes the decision even more palatable. Yeah, sure. So I, I understand the value of having that internal champion. You know, that is one of the keys to being a purposeful brand. Yeah. But it takes more than that. As as you know, it takes the whole company to have buy-in. Yeah. Um, and is that something that you you sort of ex- express with your clients as well? It, it, you're right. Purpose has to start from within and it has to be something that is authentic to the business. So there are some really great examples of, of our clients doing this well. An example that comes to mind is, is P&G. So, mm-hmm. so P&G have a ton of really impressive social initiatives across their business, both at a corporate level and at a brand level. W- one is a real focus on empowering women through STEM, for example. So across the Olay brand, they've made a commitment to spend $10 million over the next 10 years to fund women in science and technology. And then at an organizational level, to your point, P&G also have procurement requirements around how many businesses they work with that are owned by a majority of Mm -hmm. female owned. So that's a fantastic example where they're spending their money in their supply chain in a way that reflects the values they're talking to consumers about right. and create that really, really authentic purpose. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to save the world, right? Like tea bags aren't going to save the planet, but P&G, PG Tips, talks about how having a cup of tea with a neighbor can really combat loneliness. Mm-hmm. So finding a purpose that is perhaps not the big lofty ambitious stuff but something meaningful and emotional and authentic to your business and your product 
that's where the sweet spot is. As you were building the, the business, uh, Amy, did you feel that there was a, a disconnect between how brands talk about purpose and the messages that they were conveying with their consumers and customers? It's a good question. I think there are examples of that disconnect. And conversely, there are examples of like really holistic brand purpose. I think you know, where I see brands perhaps not being able to communicate what they wish to, they often haven't thought enough about the charity partners that they want to bring on board. You know, NGOs are such an important part of this mix. Mm-hmm. You know, if a brand wants to talk about an issue, finding an, an NGO with authority and credibility mm-hmm. and expertise is the way that the brand is going to connect in a really authentic way. So that not only helps the brand communicate what they want to and talk about the issue in the way that's appropriate, but also have impact behind their words you know a brand saying they care about something is higher frankly no one really cares a brand saying they've done something or even better a brand saying they've empowered their consumers to do something that's where you start to get the magic so finding a great ngo partner that can facilitate that impact whilst also giving expertise and credibility i'd say is is the number one differentiator when it comes to purpose that's successful and purpose that perhaps a little bit more shallow Let's let's talk a little bit about your platform um, now. So I mentioned at the top that there you know are many benefits uh, that brands can take advantage of. Talk about some of the successes that you're seeing now um, in this space. You know, as that platform gains traction. Yeah. I, oh man, um, I'd be happy to. There's a ton of wicked brands we've worked with, and I'm really proud of some of the work that we've done. One campaign in particular that I wanted to shout about is a campaign that we recently ran across the US, uh, working with Pepsi Max. Mm-hmm. So PepsiCo, are a brand that we work with across several um, uh, of their portfolio brands, but Pepsi Max in particular is a brand that's really leaning into creating a diverse and inclusive conversation around black and ethnic minorities in sport. So they came to us with this brand mission and this purpose, and they really wanted to amplify it through their media and marketing. So we worked with them on a campaign promoting that creative across really relevant publishers like ESPN and MSNBC. Mm -hmm. But also every time people engaged with that creative, every time the consumer chose to give Pepsi a little bit of their precious time and attention, they unlocked a donation and it was funded by Pepsi, but it actually went to the Southwestern Athletic conference which Mm -hmm. is a collegiate league focused on historically black colleges and universities so it has this really nice interplay between what the brand stands for and then real world impact facilitated by the consumer so we we ran this campaign it was it was a really really lovely kind of execution and not only did it fund tens of thousands of dollars in in donations to to um, the cause but we also found 74% uplift in the perception of Pepsi Max as an ethical and diverse brand. And the thing I love most about this is uh, we had a control and exposed group in the study. And in the control group, Coca-Cola was listed as the most ethical brand in category. And in the exposed group, Pepsi knocked them off the top spot. So, you know, for me, like that's what my business is all about. It's, It's making doing good easy, but it's also showing the business benefits of when you connect with consumers about these issues. Right. Are these benefits an eye-opening experience for these brands? You know, do, do they do they talk like why, you know, why wasn't something like this happening a long time ago? Like <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think that there is a, a general conversation around purpose and profit and this idea that you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Right. That's been going on for a while, right? Like that's something that has been in the vernacular of our industry for, for maybe 10 years, but it is really hard to put numbers behind those ideas. It yeah. is really hard to quantify. And that's one of the things that we really focus on is putting research and insight so that we can actually help brands validate and, and grow their investment in purpose. Hey there, Beyond Profit listener. Are you looking for more ways to become smarter about purposeful marketing? Then allow me to introduce you to the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. The center offers playbooks, articles, events, a committee, training, and much more, all created to help you bring your brand's purpose to life. You can learn more about all the resources available by visiting ana.net slash brand purpose. Now back to the show. So let's let's take uh, your platform from a consumer perspective now. So how are they benefiting? Yeah, the consumer is a really important part of this equation, right? Because mm-hmm. consumers are the ones whose eyeballs we are essentially buying, whose right. attention, whose data, whose trust, whose dollars. They're the ones we we we're all out to get. So I think treating the consumer as a partner rather than as a target is a really important part of our philosophy. Uh, and so first and foremost, every good loop advert that you see is skippable. It's always a choice. It's always opt-in. Mm-hmm. We'll never force someone to engage because if they choose to give that advertiser a bit of time, then you know that's more valuable. It's a much higher engagement mechanic. That's why we get such good ad, ad recall because it right. is a choice. Alongside that, it's also about transparency. So when the consumer unlocks a donation, they get to choose the charity, as you mentioned, but they also can go through to an impact hub and see in real time exactly how much has been raised by the brand. And also not just the dollar amount, but how many wells has it built? How many vaccines has it funded? How many mm-hmm. meals has it provided? So kind of translating impact into real storytelling sure. is an important part of what we do. Um, and now we're even trying to take that a step further and think. How can we make Good Loop the fair trade stamp of advertising? Mm-hmm. We run millions of ads every single day to millions of people, and every ad we run has the Ads for Good by Good Loop stamp there on it as a seal of approval that says mm-hmm. this advertiser is giving 50% of the cost of this ad to the charity you choose. So can we create a, a, a sense of pride around having that stamp can we create a community of advertisers who are committed to doing advertising in this new more respectful and positive way and how can we involve consumers in telling us which brands mm-hmm. they would like to see and which causes they most care about mm-hmm. so yeah there's a ton of interesting stuff in this area i think it's a really important next step for both my business and for the industry can consumers choose any particular charity to support or um do you have a list of partners and, you know, there's a drop down menu and you get to choose one of those? How, how does that work? It tends to be a short list that's curated by the brand based on the brand purpose. For example, we did a campaign with Pantene recently, a hair care brand, and they had this big campaign called Hair Has No Gender. It was all about celebrating the trans and gender non-binary community. So we had actually all the money went to one charity, but we had three different projects for the consumer to choose which one mm-hmm. they'd like to fund, whether mm-hmm. it was a helpline or whether it was a work 
a you know, program with schools and youth or whether it was a crisis support. So these, th- this is how we give consumers a choice. It's always a curated list based on what the brand stands for sure. and what the consumer most cares about. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So Amy, as you know, there's, there's a lot of studies out there that talk about you know, there's an expectation among consumers that um, they expect brands to make a difference in the world. And they expect that their advertising should be true to their purpose. Is the advertising in your platform a big step in that direction, would you say? I like to think that we are a small piece of a bigger movement. I think our role within it is to make it really easy for brands to do good. Uh, we, As I say, we focus on slotting into an existing media plan and slotting into existing media buying platforms but also making sure that we validate the ROI of that mm-hmm. of that social impact and with that validation with that confidence of the business benefits brands can invest in so much more you know they can really double down on purpose and start to see it as a meaningful part of their business growth strategy so we've seen examples uh, for for example we've worked with H&M and in the first campaign we ever ran with them, we had three different charities and they, they came to us. They said, we've got this conscious collection. It's all sustainably sourced. And we work with, you know, really amazing materials that are fully sustainably, not only sustainably sourced, but also fully recyclable, like a, a sustainable collection they're very proud of. How can we promote it? What causes are going to be the most relevant? So we gave them a short list of three recommendations, uh, one of which was the WWF. So we ran that ad. Consumers could choose from those three charity choices. But we found that in 67% of cases, consumers chose the WWF. It was by far the most popular choice. And so that then led them to consider how they could double down on that relationship. Clearly, that insight was that the WWF was a charity that resonated with their consumers. So they then ran a second campaign with us Mm -hmm. where all the money went to the WWF, but we had different projects. We had turtle nest mapping and we had a rhino conservation and we had a schools program. And, and since they've gone on to have a, a much deeper relationship above and beyond Goodloop. My point is we should be a stepping stone to help brands get more confident about this. It right. is scary to talk about social issues. The accusations of greenwashing and woke washing sure. are real. And consumers should hold brands accountable to make sure that claims are backed up with action and with authentic, uh, with authentic intent. But when brands do get it right, we want to be able to celebrate them and we want to help them move forward. Perfection is the enemy of progress at the end of the day. So helping brands make these incremental steps to ensure their business is a force for good in the world, like I'm all for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I think it's a submission that we all are on together. Are you carefully monitoring the brands with whom you partner? In, in other words, making sure that they stay true to their brand and there's not this purpose drift occurring? It's a really important part of it, actually. And I by no means claim to have all the answers. It's a complicated gray area. But for us at Good Loop, how we approach it is a democratic voting process. So every client that comes to us, we open up a democratic vote within the company. Everyone at Good Loop has a vote. All votes are equal. And um, we review the creative based on sort of three main criteria. Firstly, at a category level, is the category something that we would like to promote as a, as a company? Uh, for example, we've decided that any categories that increase the use of fossil fuels is something that we wouldn't want to be a part of. We turned down a campaign recently for a Heathrow 
uh, runway expansion campaign. We felt that increasing the number of planes in the world was was not something we, we wanted to be a part of. So, so there are certain categories or certain areas that that we have decided aren't aren't something that we would work on. And then we look at a, a brand level. Are the brands better or at least on par with others in their category? And then we look at a, a creative level. Are there claims within the ad itself that are backed up with evidence? So basically, based on those three criteria, this democratic voting process helps us decide which brands we want to partner with and which brands we want to help amplify their message. The other thing is we've got the charities. They are such a good resource. I mentioned before, but, you know, genuinely, if an NGO doesn't want to work with a brand, that's a pretty good indicator that they've done their research and they have a good reason for that. So we let them lead us a lot of the time. So talk about the perspective from charities. What what do they think of the platform? And are you having charities come out of the woodwork who may not be aligned with a specific brand, but want to be part of what's what's going on here? Do you know... (laughs) Giving free money to charities isn't as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, there's a lot of nuance and they sure. are very protective, like mm-hmm. rightly so. You know, they have brand equity. They have precious brand partnerships. They have built their reputations. And so, you know, when we talk about brand safety, it's important for the brand. It's 10 times more important for the charity. So there is a lot of, lot of complexity in finding the right partner. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we've raised over $5 million for charities around the world. Congratulations. Supporting everything, you know, from, yeah. from beach cleanups and turtle nest mapping to human mm-hmm. rights campaigns and, and soup kitchen runs, like all sorts of different areas of impact. And those charities are the reason that every single member of the Good Loop team gets up every morning and does what we do. So it is a wonderful thing to be a part of. And the great thing, as you mentioned, is that they have their own charity partners, right? Yes. Every charity has their own corporate partners. We've recently ran a campaign with Quaker Oats supporting Feeding America. We funded over half a million meals for families across the US. And that's a partnership that's been around for decades. You know, Quaker Oats and Feeding America are a, a long-standing partnership based on a, a heritage of bringing American families around a breakfast table. It's a partnership they never talk about. It's really hard to talk about it in a way that's not self-serving. So for them, it was great to use Goodloop and to amplify something that was already really brilliant at the heart of their business. Well, it's pretty clear, Amy, that you're very passionate about what you do. <laughs> um, and, and that does come across and you know through storytelling. And I'd like to just to talk a little bit about that. You have a podcast. Um, just talk about how storytelling really drives the movement for you. I love this question because I think that storytelling is the biggest weapon in a founder's toolkit like when I started this business five and a half years ago the story is literally the only thing I had I couldn't build any tech I didn't have any money I didn't really have any experience in building a company I didn't have any experience in building a company had a few years in the industry but I was you know I was only 25 so storytelling was the first thing I used. And the thing about story is that you can craft it in different ways based on the audience, but you can also make it something that's so much bigger than yourself. So every brand we talk to, every investor we talk to, every time I'm talking to a potential new hire, I'm talking about how they can be a part of this this story. It's not my story to tell. It's it's really about creating something that we can all be a part of and, and getting that sense of involvement from others. Like that's how 
I think that's how we've got such brilliant talent in the company. Mm-hmm. We've got such amazing global brands and, and we actually just raised a Series A. Uh, we announced it yesterday, in fact. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, and so, yeah, we've got some fantastic investors on board now as mm-hmm. well. And I'd say, yeah, things like this podcast, you know, opportunities to share stories with others and, and, to, and to get feedback and insight on it and always constantly refining it. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes I feel like, you know, those actors that have been like in the mousetrap for 50 years or, you know, some of these long running Broadway shows. So they've just been doing the same show every yeah. night plus yeah. a matinee. Sometimes I feel like that, like such a stuck record. But it is important to remember that for so many people, this story is the first time they're hearing it. And for mm-hmm. and so keeping it fresh and keeping passionate about it is so, so important. You mentioned my podcast. I'll just give that a quick shout out. Sure. Yeah. So it's called The Good, The Bad and The Advertising. It's uh, a podcast where we invite people from the advertising industry to answer a brief set by a charity. So we use all the creativity and strategic rigor of Adland to solve some of the world's problems. It's good fun. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. I mentioned at the top that you have a, a reputation as an innovator in the industry. So my last question, I need you to look at your crystal ball. What's, what's the future hold for your platform? Where do you see it going? At the moment, I'm really interested in this idea of the creative side of our industry being about what your brand says and the media side of our industry being about what your brand does. Mm -hmm. So taking that as a start point, the future of my platform, and I think the future of the media industry is considering how your brand values are reflected in your media buying. And that has many different aspects. What is the carbon cost of your advertising? How much carbon dioxide has gone into the atmosphere because mm-hmm. of you know, a header bidder programmatic campaign that you ran with 50 million bid requests, all of which have huge computational power and huge carbon costs. And similarly, how are you optimizing and offsetting to make sure that you're reducing the, the environmental footprint? You know, so many brands have made net negative commitments. Right. What's media's role in that? What's marketing's role in those commitments? That's not really been discussed yet. And on a similar vein, many brands have made commitments around their diversity and their inclusion initiatives, mm-hmm. making sure that their brands that are genuinely take, you know, offering a diverse opportunity and, and, and amplifying underrepresented groups, how is that reflected in their media buying? Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they running across publishers that are owned by a, the Black community or that give voices to underrepresented communities so across the board from brand safety to to publisher block list to funding hate and misinformation there's so many ways that our media buying can amplify or contradict what mm-hmm. our brand stands for and i think that's a fascinating area in the mm-hmm. next few years yeah that's right i have to ask i mean because you mentioned marketing do do you believe that the focus should be on the supply chain is that what you should be looking for first Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've talked Mm -hmm. about authenticity, right? And purpose starts internally. Mm -hmm. And that's just as true of media buying and supply chain as it is in any other part of a business. Right, right. Amy, thank you so much for joining me in the Beyond Profit podcast. I wish you the best of luck. (laughs) Thanks for having me. To learn more about Amy's business, please visit goodloop.com. That's good-loop.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.